All right, if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline or use the Central Church app. Um, I encourage you, if you do not have the Central Church app, to go to your app store and download the Central Church app. There are announcements um, that go out on that. Um, our outlines are on there. Um, all of the different Bible versions are, are there. And so I strongly encourage you to have that. It's a great, great, great resource. Um, but James chapter 1. Uh, that's where we're going to be at today. Now, we're starting a brand new series today that I am super, 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 super excited about. And I know what you're thinking. I, I know you're thinking, man, you always say that. I do. Because if I ever come out and I say, man, this series is just going to suck. I'm really sorry, but we'll have to bear through it so we can get to the next. Like, that, that wouldn't be good, right? Like, it wouldn't be encouraging for me to say that. But I am excited about this series um, called I'm a Work in Progress uh, because a lot of these messages are really about what I'm dealing with, and I'm hoping that, that they'll kind of um, help you out along the way as well. Um, this series really came about with me thinking about an event that happened in my life several, several Several, 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 several years ago. Um, I'm talking like early to mid 1990s. Some of you weren't even born yet, but you gotta believe me, there was a time that existed without internets and cell phones in everybody's pocket and the dinosaurs roamed the earth, right? Like it was, it was there. So you just gotta believe me. Um, but where we lived in Indiana, um, my parents lived in a, in a town called Pittsburgh, Indiana. It was just right outside of Brownsburg, Indiana. That's where I went to, to high school at. But a few miles from my house um, was a dirt bike track. And my friends and I would go there and we would race. Now, it wasn't like what you see on TV today. It wasn't big jumps and stuff like that. Nobody was doing like the Superman or backflips or anything like that. Um, there were some small jumps and some bumps and stuff like that. But we weren't doing anything big. We were, it was mostly just for fun. It wasn't organized. It was just a bunch of teens hanging out kind of racing each other and just having a really fun time. Well, one day um, a kid showed up. He was a little bit older than us and he was really small and really scrawny and he had this super high-pitched voice and he asked if he could race with us. And, and when we looked at him, we're like, sure, man, because this would be really funny because he had like, he had this brand new bike and it looked like it hadn't ever been out and it was just like, it, it, it was crazy. And so we're like, yeah, whatever. This kid gets on the track and owns us all. I'm telling you, like, none of us had ever seen anyone ride like that, at least in person. Like, he was absolutely awesome. We get done, and somebody asked him his name. True story. He says, Jeff Gordon. Like, that Jeff Gordon. You know who I'm talking about? Like, is that Jeff Gordon? He lived like really close to me. We went to different high schools. Um, he was two years older than me, but, um, he, he was, that it was him. And he told us, he's like, I'm racing quarter midgets tomorrow night. And he gave us all passes. Well, long story short, we, we went and we watched him race and we watched this like 16 year old kid own everyone at the track. It was absolutely unreal. Um, after the race, he came and he sought us out and he wanted to hang out. So we went to this go-kart track. Now this go-kart track we would go to all the time. I beat everyone at the go-kart track because I wrecked everyone. Like I just put them in the wall and I just like raced dirty and everybody always get mad. But I had a lot of fun. And so I won all the time. Like we were super competitive. Jeff lapped us twice. 
Two, nobody even knows how. To this day, we talk about it all the time. We have no idea how. These, these carts are like on governors, right? And he just like never touched anybody, never bumped anyone, just drove perfectly and lapped us all twice. Now, here's the point of this story. I, like many of my friends that day, thought I was really good at something, like, like riding dirt bikes or driving uh, go-karts. Like, like I thought that I was at a certain place in my life. But in reality... I wasn't there yet. Like, I, w- I wasn't even close to being good. I was still a work in progress. Now, bring that into the church world. That's happened to me as a Christian as well. There have been times in my life and following Jesus that I think, you know what? I'm pretty good. I got this Christianity thing down. I'm, I'm following Jesus well. Things are great. And then something happens. Or a series of somethings happens, and, and I realize, man, I am not as far along as I thought I was. I realize I'm still a mess. I realize I'm still a work in progress, and I'm sure you have felt the same way. In fact, turn to your neighbor right now and let them know, I'm a work in progress. Just tell them, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> hey, guess what? <laughs> they already knew. <laughs> you did not just shock anybody. No, it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. Like they, they knew. Now, that's what we're going to talk about in this entire series. Because listen, I love the Bible. Love it. I love God's word. But there are some things in the Bible that cause me to scratch my head. There are some things in the Bible that absolutely confuse me. There, there are some things that I look at, I'm like, is, is that really there? Like, like God, did you really have to put that there? And then there are other things in the Bible where I think, you know what? That's a really good idea for other people, but I'm not sure I'm there yet. I'm not sure that I'm even close. And again, that's what this entire series is going to be based on as we talk about we're all works in progress. Now, with all that being said, that's the setup for the whole series. Let me ask you a question to set up today's message. What brings you joy? What is it in your life that brings you absolute joy? I'm not talking about happiness, right? Because happiness can happen just in a moment. You can hear a joke and you can laugh and you can be happy. But joy, I'm talking absolute joy. What is it? Everybody think of something. Think 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 of anything. Think of the thing that brings you most joy. Everybody got something? For me, it's several things. I'll share a few with you this morning. Ice cream. Ice cream brings me joy. Anybody else? Ice cream, not custard, ice cream. I enjoy eating at Culver's, all right? And I will choke down a concrete mixer, right? I I will. I'm not, look at me. It doesn't look like I'm not turning it away. But I love ice cream. And I thoroughly enjoy every bite of ice cream that I have. My dog Zeno brings me joy. That's a great picture of him, isn't it? We put this up on Friday when, when we were pre-recording. I saw that. I was like, man, that should go like on my wall. I love this dude. Now, there's another crackhead dog living in my house. His name is Titus. He does not bring me joy. He brings me frustration. So much so, we're not even going to show you a picture of him because I won't be able to finish the message because he chewed up a shoe again last night. But Zeno, that's my boy. And he brings me joy hanging out with him. A Bordenero's cheeseburger brings me joy. Look at that thing. That brings me joy. That one right there was made specially for me. That brings me joy that Tommy will make something specially for me. You can't even get that. Like that's a, that was the special that day. But look at that. He added an extra patty for me. Now, 
in the moment, it was great joy. A little misery later on, right? As you can imagine. But that brings me joy. Spending time with my kids brings me joy. Spending time with my family, with Mary, spending time together watching them play or being away with them is, 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 is very, 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 very joyful for me. We could do this all day long. Here's the point. There are all kinds of things that bring you joy. There are things that bring me joy. There, there are a lot of things that bring us joy. But let me tell you what nobody thought about or nobody said when I asked you what brings you joy. Nobody thought trouble. Nobody thought, man, I love trouble. I love global trouble. I love national trouble. In fact, the thing I love the most, Ryan, is personal trouble. Trouble just makes me happy. Nobody said that. Nobody thought that. Trouble brings me joy, which is why we've got to look at something that a guy named James wrote about in the Bible. Now, James is a book in the New Testament. Many scholars believe it's the oldest book in the New Testament. It was written by the half-brother of Jesus. They had the same mom. They didn't have the same dad. Jesus' dad being God, but he was God, which is another message for another time. Anyway, James writes this letter to some people, and this is how he opens it up. And this is where this whole concept of I'm a work in progress really, 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 really stands out. He says this, Dear brothers and sisters, When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I'm not there yet. If you are, praise God. But not me. Uh Uh-uh. Little side note. Last week, um, someone on staff that handles our social media, I don't, I don't know who it is, is why they still work here, um, put this out on like all of our social media stuff. Um, I was having a difficult week, um, dealing with some personal things, and when I saw it, I was like, uh-uh, nope, not me, not, not there. And, and listen, <laughs> I'm a pastor, but when it comes to this verse right here, I'm gonna let you know, I am a work in progress. Now, Let me kind of walk through this and point out some things that stood out to me as I really, really, really tried to dig into this verse over the past several days. First of all, James says, dear brothers and sisters. And so James is writing, this is important for us to know, James is writing to people who identify themselves as Jesus followers, as Christians. And the reason that's important for us to know is because there's a there's a brand of Christianity, if you can even call it that, that says, if you just believe in Jesus, you won't have any troubles. If you do have troubles, it's because you don't have enough faith. Statements like that are lies from the pit of hell. Really, they are. And so if you've ever said it, stop. Stop saying it because it's not true. Because right here, James is writing to who? Christians, right? People who identify with Jesus. And if anybody knew anything about Christianity, I'm going to go ahead and put my chips on the half-brother of Jesus to know something about following Jesus. How about you? goes on to say, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles, everybody say when. When troubles, not if, when, when. In other words, he's saying this, troubles coming. And I know nobody likes that. But it's the truth. When trouble comes. Not if, but when. Not if, but when. Not if, but when. Jesus said in John 16, 33, he turns to his followers, the people closest 
to him. They're, they're at this thing. We, we call it the, the Last Supper. Um, they're, they're spending some of their final moments together. And Jesus said, in this world, you will have... Anybody want to guess what he said? Trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. I will have trouble. And, and, and the reason I say this is because a lot of people... You've had something bad happen to you. And I want you to know, I understand. Jesus understood. All of us have experienced bad things, tragic things. And and a lot of times, what happens when these things happen in our lives, oftentimes, we walk away from God. Because we say things like, how can I follow God when there's so much trouble in my life? When in actuality, God has never promised us a life free from trouble. He actually said it was going to come our way. He tells us all through scripture, trouble's coming, trouble's coming, trouble's coming, trouble's coming. And he tells us that so we can prepare for it. James right here says, when trouble, and and I love this next part. He says, when troubles of any kind come your way. Now, if you grew up in the church world, you understand there's Christian troubles and then there's real world trouble. Because what usually happens in the church world is we get together in groups. And when we're in groups, we have prayer request time. And in prayer request time, we usually confess our Christian troubles. Now, when I say Christian troubles, it's like this. My gosh, could y'all pray for me? Please pray for me. I was only able to read my Bible for 30 minutes a day this week. And usually I go for an hour. That's usually what happens, right? We're not going to talk about what's really going on in our lives, but we'll say stuff like that. So everybody in the group will go, oh, bless him. Just bless him, Jesus. Please just help him. And then somebody else doesn't want to be outdone, right? And so they're like, hey, 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 I need prayer. I need, I struggled so bad this week. Really? What happened? Well, normally I only listen to Christian music, but I fell this week. I felt really hard. I listened to Garth Brooks. What? You listen to country music? Oh my gosh, we're going to pray for you. Dear Lord, bring the Garth Brooks demon out of him. I don't know if Garth is sin or not. I don't, I don't know. But I do know what happens when you play country music backwards, don't you? Yeah, you get your dog back, you get your job back, you get your truck back, you sober up, and yeehaw. Anyway. <laughs> but there's, there's like these Christian troubles. And, and then there's this one, and, I, and this isn't part of the message, but I just need to say, actually, it kind of is part of the message. If you're in a prayer group or you're with somebody and, and you, they ask, what do you need prayer for? And you say, unspoken, right? That, 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 that's just like crazy to me. Because listen, technically, it's not unspoken because you just spoke it. You just spoke an unspoken. You cannot speak an unspoken. If it's unspoken, you don't speak about something that's unspoken, Right? And and, and listen, here's what I've discovered. It's the unspoken that needs to get said in our lives. We're going to talk about in a little while. We're going to talk about how, how we need to have the help of others. And we need to consider the help of others. In our lives, the unspoken is what usually needs to come out in order for us to get help. But the unspoken things are the things that seldom get said because we're afraid to talk about them. A little tangent, but... Christian troubles. Then there are real world troubles, like people losing their jobs, jacked up economy, 
<laughs> gas prices. Gas prices are real world trouble, yes or no? Yeah. Anxiety. That's something we can't talk about, right? Depression, worry, fear. I've actually gotten messages from Christian leaders telling me that you can't talk about those things in the church. Why not? Those are real world problems. A couple of years ago, we did a relationship series and we called it relationship, but the, the last part of ship was like, you know, the, the little symbols and stuff. And so it was relation chocolate ice cream emoji because that's a lot of times how relationships go, right? And, and, and the amount of emails and the, and the ridicule that we got because we preached and we talked about that stuff in the church. Those, those are real world problems. Yes or no? Those are things we need to be talking about. Those kind of troubles. Those are the kind of troubles that James is talking about when he says any kind of trouble. He says when any kind of trouble comes your way. When any kind of trouble comes your way. Now, this is where it gets messed up because people say, well, you know, brother, when any time a trouble comes your way, you should rejoice. Just rejoice in the midst of trouble. No, no, no. How weird would that be? You're having a problem. I'm addicted. Woo-hoo! Yes. I can't quit looking at pictures of naked people on the Internet. Woo! I am awesome. Yeah, me. That'd be weird, right? You're looking at me right now like, yeah, you're weird, man. That's jacked up. So the Bible doesn't say have great joy. It says consider it. Everybody say consider. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Consider it. Consider it. Consider it an opportunity now, the only way that we can consider something is if we have the perspective of God and others. Because let me tell you something. When trouble comes, when trouble comes, and we don't pause to consider the perspective of God and the opinions of others, oftentimes our options are isolation and self-medication. And what happens every single time is destruction. James said, consider it an opportunity for great joy. The way we truly consider something is we pause in the middle of all hell breaking loose and we say, you know what, God? I need to see this through your eyes. And then we ask God, God, show me who in my life I can talk to that can help me have a better perspective in this situation. That's what consideration is, right? Because when we see things through God's perspective and, and we have other people speak into our lives, it changes things. Because I don't know about you, but I've got some blind spots in my life and I need people from time to time to help point out my blind spots. Because if I don't, if I don't, and, and you might be like this too, but if I don't, every time, isolation and self-medication. Isolation and self-medication. And when I say self-medication, I mean we'll begin to drink too much. We'll begin to take too many pills. We'll begin to eat too much. We'll rely on other things to bring us comfort rather than seeking the creator. We isolate ourselves and we medicate ourselves. Listen, that's the goal of the enemy. If he can get us isolated... And thinking we're the only ones who's ever struggled with this problem. Nobody else in the history of the world has ever gone through what you've gone through. If he can get us there, he can destroy us. 
Because isolation is just one small step away from destruction. Isolation is just one step away from destruction. And that's what the enemy is trying to do. But I understand the fear. I do. Because we think things like, if I really tell people what's troubling me, if I really tell people what's going on in my life, people think I'm weird. And and people are going to think I'm crazy. And so I can't get real. I can't be real with anybody. Isn't Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny we can be real with our non-Christian friends, but we can't be real with our Christian friends? Why is that? Well, I think it's because in the church world, we're afraid we're going to get judged. We're afraid we won't get included in things. We're afraid we'll get kicked out. But at the end of the day, you need to hear this. We cannot be healed if we refuse to get real. We can't. If you want to be healed from the trials, the temptation, the trouble that is coming into our lives, we've got to get real. And until we get real, we cannot be healed. James said, consider it. Consider it. He didn't say, have great joy when trouble comes. Stop saying that. Knock it off. He didn't say that. He said, consider it an opportunity for you. And he goes on to say this. I'm so glad he said this. Verse three. He said, for you know that when, when your faith, not if, But when, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. When your faith is tested. Now, I don't, I don't like tests. I don't like them. I've never liked tests. Tests always freak me out. Like just the thought of a test causes me to sweat a little bit. Like I, I don't like tests. But did you know, in our walk with Jesus, our faith is going to be tested sometimes? And James says, the more and more we experience trouble and the more we consider the perspective of God and the perspective of others who have permission to speak into our lives, that's key. The more we do that, the more our endurance grows. And by the way, let me say this. Not everybody should have permission to speak into your lives. They shouldn't, just certain people. People that you give permission to, right? People that know you. And I'll say this, people that love Jesus and people that love you. If they don't love you and they don't love Jesus, just tell them to shut up and walk away from them, right? People that you give permission to speak into your lives, but we all need those people. So when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Your endurance, your endurance has a chance to grow. In other words, the more we walk with Jesus, the more our endurance builds up. The more we walk with Jesus, the more our endurance builds up. Isn't it funny? Somebody will walk with Jesus for five years and expect somebody who just comes to know Jesus to be in five months where it took them five years to be. Have you ever seen that? But listen, don't miss this. We need to be willing to let other people walk with Jesus at their own pace and build up their endurance. There's not a program. There's not a set way to do things. And so we need to be willing to encourage others along. To walk along others and talk to them about where we were at when we started out and where we were at two years in and all of those other things. But we need to understand and we need to be willing to let other people walk with Jesus at their own pace and build up their endurance. Like think about it like this. How many of you are runners? Anybody? Anybody here runners? Okay, a couple people. How many of you can run for like more than five miles at a time? How many of you know somebody that can run more than five miles at a time? All right. Did they get there naturally? No, it took time to build up, right? It took, it took time. Like you don't just go out today and say, I'm going to run a marathon. If you're going to run a marathon, you do what? 
train, right? Do a couple miles a day, a couple miles the next day. You just build up your endurance. I'm trying to do that now, not run a marathon, but just try to get in shape. A couple weeks ago, I was sitting on the couch eating an oatmeal cream pie and drinking a Diet Pepsi, completely ashamed that I was drinking a Diet Pepsi. I knew I should have been drinking a Diet Coke. Pepsi's the drink of the devil. Anyway, just kidding. But I, I had this thought. I need to, I need to stop this. I do. And the only thing stopping me is me. So I went for a run with my dog Zeno. I did. Nobody was chasing me. I just went out and I went for a run. Now listen, I didn't make it very far. I didn't. As a matter of fact, I told Zeno, I was like, listen, I know you're in shape, buddy. I know you chase the ball. I know you can run for miles at a time, but we're not going to do that. Here's what we're going to do, pal. We're going to jog for three driveways and we're going to walk for seven. Like that's what we're going to do. And, and that's what we did. And we went all the way around the block doing that two times. The next day we did four and six. Tomorrow, maybe we'll try five and five. But listen, here's the, here's the point. Eventually we'll make it all the way around the block without stopping because I'm building up what? Endurance. Building up endurance. That's what this verse is saying. And I want you to listen to me. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're a little bit discouraged about where you are in life. Maybe you're overwhelmed. Maybe, maybe there's real trouble in your life right now. Maybe something personal is going on. And, and I know that when problems get real, we can lose perspective on everything that has happened around us. But, but I want you to think about this. It's kind of like, kind of like that, that opening video said. Actually, I want you to think about it this way. How far have you come? How far have you come? Have you ever stopped to consider that you're stronger than you think? The Bible says greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So have you ever stopped to really consider, look how far I've come. Man, I, I really am stronger than I think. And, and I'm not saying that to make light of your situation. The situation you're in could be really heavy. Situation you're in is a struggle. But look where God has brought you from. Think about it. Could you have handled what you're going through right now, five years ago? Could you have handled what you're going through right now, 10 years ago? Could you have handled it six months ago? You couldn't, right? But you can handle it today. You know why? Slowly, but surely, without even realizing it, as we walk with Jesus, our endurance builds up over and over and over. And I would say that all of us, are stronger than we think. Now, I know some of you might push back, and I understand, because I'm right there with you, because we think things like, if I'm stronger than I think, then why did I fall? If I'm stronger than I think, why did I mess up? If, if I'm stronger than I think, why am I struggling? Well, think about a baby for a second. And, and listen, I'm not calling anybody a baby, but just think about a baby for a second. Have you ever seen a baby walk? Let's be honest. The first time a baby walks, a baby does not walk. A baby falls forward, right? That baby takes two steps and does a face plant. But this is what I've learned about babies just by watching. If you don't allow a baby to fall, that baby will never learn how to walk. If you don't allow a baby to fall, that baby will never learn how to walk. And if we don't learn, listen, I'll say it like this. All of us are going to fall. All of us are going to mess up. Heck, I'm, I'm the king of mess ups. Don't argue with me and saying you're the king or you're the queen. I got it. Like I, I win, right? But understand this. 
Just because I've messed up doesn't mean that I am messed up. Just because you've messed up doesn't mean that you're messed up. Like, I'm not going to push back on anybody and say, oh, no, you didn't mess up. You absolutely messed up. I absolutely messed up. But just because we've messed up doesn't mean that we're messed up. Because at the end of the day, if you're a Christian, our identity comes from our heavenly father, not our earthly failure. I'll say that again because we all need to hear that twice. If you're a Christian, our identity comes from our heavenly father, not our earthly failure. And when you mess up, the thing to do is not just sit there, not just talk about the mess, and not just feel sorry about the mess that you're in, but to get up and to keep going. You know why? Because God is building up your endurance. And he can use everything, even our mess-ups, for his glory and our joy. That's what James said, half-brother of Jesus. I'm just telling you what James said this morning. And then he says this. So let it grow. <laughs> every time. Every stinking time. I have read this this week and preached this. That song is stuck in my head. You got it now too, don't you? Let it grow. I can't. I can't do it. Sorry. If I planted that in your head, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So let it grow. For when you, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, right? Good. You're, you're blessed by Jesus. For, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. In other words, you're going to be mature. And the goal towards being a Christian is to continually walk toward maturity. Now, I, I want to make this very clear. In the church world today, we get the whole maturity thing all mixed up. And we equate maturity with activity. And you've heard me talk about this before. But it's like if somebody's having trouble, they'll come in and say, man, I'm, I'm really struggling. I'm having some trouble. And, and as Christians, we'll say, well, then read your Bible. Well, I am reading my Bible. Well, read it more. You're not reading it enough. Or somebody else will come in, hey, man, I'm having some trouble. Well, pray. I am praying. I'm praying all the time. Pray more. How do I pray more than praying all the time? Hey, man, I'm having some trouble. Serve. I am serving. Serve more, more, do more, do more, do more, do more, and you'll be closer to Jesus. Let me ask you this question. How's that working for you? Oh, Ryan, I'm exhausted. Exactly. Do more never works. Do more never, ever, ever, ever works. Stop telling people to do more. It's not activity we should be seeking to do more of. When it comes to trouble in our lives, let me just say this. Maturity is not based on more activity. 